Well, as we get started uh, this morning, I want to first take an opportunity to express appreciation uh, to the Luke Myers and the Kirkuses for decorating the church this past week. They did a great job. And what I love about their heart is just how eager they are to serve. Before we could call anyone to help us, they were calling us saying, hey, just tell us when you're ready because we're ready to go. And uh, which I think makes it even more meaningful when somebody does something like this with such a joyous heart. So, thank you. Well, um, they've definitely put us in the Christmas spirit, and and as you can see from the video this morning, we're going to start a four-week series on on Advent. And each week, we're going to look at a biblical theme that was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, Uh, this week obviously being uh, peace. And along with the Matthew, message, we're going to be asking one of our Melanie Park uh, Church families to lead us in an Advent devotional. And so Matt and Liz McLeod will be doing that uh, this uh, today at the end of the service, so we look forward to that. But I just want you to know that my hope in all of this is that it would allow you to draw in close to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Because really, that's what this season is all about. We can draw in close to him because he has drawn in close to us. I mean, just like Brian said and what we sang about, our Emmanuel, God with us. The celebration of Advent is just one of the ways that we can kind of prepare our hearts for, for his coming, which is literally what the word Advent means. It means coming or arrival. And so my hope is that our time in God's Word would just kind of fill your heart with eager anticipation. So in order to do that, we're going to have to do something really important, especially during this time of year. We're going to have to slow down. When you walk into this place, I want you to just take a deep breath and slow down because we need to step away from the busyness of the season to be able to sit with our Savior. And when you come into this place, I I hope and pray that that's what you can do because that's the only way to understand what it means for the peace of God which passes all understanding to guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So let's pray that that would be true for us as we spend our time together. Lord, as we come before you this morning, we are thankful that you uh, have made a way to bring peace where there was hostility, where there was sin, uh, where there was brokenness. You brought healing and wholeness and peace. Thank you. So, Lord, I do pray that as we open up your word and spend time together, that you would just cause our racing hearts to slow down. I know even this past week was probably busy with family and lots of things going on, but just for a moment, would you give us clarity? Would you give us peace? And would you give us hearts that are attentive to your word? And we pray this in your name. Amen. All right, if you would, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, familiar passage that I want us to look at together. And if you would, begin reading with me in verse 8. So Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over the flocks by night. 
And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today, in the city of David, there, will be, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. <clears throat> so familiar passage, but as, as we think about uh, what's happening here, let's, let's just be reminded how unusual it is for for the angel to have appeared to shepherds, not to kings or, or political leaders or even to religious leaders, but to, to common everyday folk, the, the working class of society. He appeared to those who live a simple existence and treated them with profound importance. And even though we at shepherds, and for, for sure during that time, they were, they were low on the social ladder, kind of the, the blue-collar world of that day. They were held in high regard by God. We know that because of all the different places in Scripture where we see him promoting their value. Just think about what the psalmist says in Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. What shall I? I have everything I need. I, I, I lack for nothing. And then Jesus, in, ja in John chapter 10, verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. So maybe the reason that the angels appeared to the shepherds was because they gave us the best picture of God's shepherding care of us. We find peace in his presence. We find assurance in his protection. We find hope in his provision. He is our good shepherd, and we are his sheep. And so even though it was an honor for the shepherds to have had this encounter, we need to appreciate the fact that it was incredibly overwhelming as well. Because not only were they frightened by the appearance of this angel out of nowhere, we learn from our passage that they were surrounded by God's glory. So really, I think even more humbling than the angel was the, the presence of divine holiness. It reminds me of Isaiah when he was confronted in a similar way with the presence of holiness. You remember what he said? He says, woe is me, for I am ruined or I am undone. For I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among people of unclean lips. In other words, I am not worthy to be in the presence of such holy perfection. And that was true for the shepherds that day. It was true for Isaiah. And it's true for you and I as well. But we are not worthy to be in the presence of such holy perfection. So I think the shepherds responded rightly to the presence of of God's glory, but notice how the angel calms their fear. He says, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, 
which will be for all the people. See, this is the good news. The good news is that the angel didn't come to bring judgment. The angel came to announce hope. In the original language, the word for good news is where we get our word gospel. So really what the angel's saying is, do not be afraid. I bring you the gospel. That's why it's good news of great joy. The angels are announcing the hope of salvation. And not just to the shepherds, you'll notice that it is for all, for, for everyone, for, for all the people, everyone created in the image of God. No exceptions. And notice how specifically this hope is identified. It says that he will be born in the city of David. Or more specifically, we might say the city in which King David was born, which we know to be the city of Bethlehem. But we also know that King David didn't start as a king, did he? He was born and raised as a, ironically, shepherd. And where the people selected Saul because of his outward appearance, he just looked like a king, God himself selected David because of what was on the inside because of what he saw in his heart. And having been chosen by God, we know that he is the one in his lineage that we will see the promised Messiah. So his birth in Bethlehem, in that city of David, was part of the prophetic fulfillment. I'm losing battery or something. I don't know. I'll stop. I'll talk loud. Micah 5. Two, this is an important verse. It says, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephratah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go forth for me to be a ruler in Israel, and we would add here, in the lineage of King David, and his goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So here we see the promised Messiah who will be born in Bethlehem has eternally existed. He is what it says, from the days of eternity. His goings forth are from long ago. And I think this gives us a picture of his humanity, right? He was born in Bethlehem, born in human flesh. But in his divinity, he has eternally existed. But we learn even more from what the, the angel says to the shepherds. He says, there will be born for you a savior. Now, that term, Savior, means one who delivers. And this, too, was a repeated Old Testament expectation. God's people eagerly anticipated his divine deliverance. We see that in Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. Listen to what it says. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God, for whom we have waited for, that he might save us, that he might deliver us. This is the Lord whom we have waited, for whom we have waited. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. So from the city of David, from Bethlehem, will be one who has eternally existed that will bring divine deliverance. And he goes on and says, and he is Christ the Lord. Now we're even more specific. This word Christ means anointed one. So what this is telling us is that the one that God has promised, this is the one, the one that he has anointed, the one sent by God to bring divine deliverance. 
So there is no mistaking who is being described here, especially for the shepherds, right? Or, or any Jewish audience for that matter. This is a divine redeemer promised to have been sent by God to bring divine deliverance. But not just sent by God. He is God. This is Christ the Lord. Not a God, but the God. Christ the Lord. And Paul explains to the Colossians in chapter 1, verse 16, for by him, speaking of Jesus, all things were created both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So once again, when when the angel finishes this description, there is no doubt who has been identified. And knowing that it would be hard to believe that, that that the promised Messiah has actually arrived, he says, I'll give you a sign. The sign is that you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, the question here is, why exactly is this a sign? Well, think about what we just talked about. The angel just identified the divine redeemer worthy of highest praise. And yet, he will be found in the lowest of places, in a manger. A feeding trough for animals. He's a ruler, right? In the lineage of King David, he's not born in a palace. He wasn't covered in royal robes, but instead he's wrapped in strips of cloth. That's because this is a savior for all the people, great and small. We know full that the shepherds would have never been welcomed in a palace, right? But they have been invited to sit at Jesus. And so have you. So have you. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. So this is the picture I have in my mind. I have in my mind that the, that the heavenly host is watching and listening to every single word that the angel is saying. And I think with, with every word, their excitement is building until they reach a point where they just can't hold back any longer. And they burst forth in a heavenly praise. The reason I believe that's true is because This is the most anticipated moment in history. And yet, I think that the angels, that this was news to them as well. The reason is because of what we read in 1 Peter 1, verse 10. Listen to what it says. It says, And to this salvation the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It says it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you. In these things which are now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. These things, here it is, 
in which angels long to look. See, what what Peter's saying here is that the, the prophets predicted the coming of Christ. We actually saw some of that in Daniel, didn't we? Daniel chapter 9, where it told us that the Messiah would come and then be cut off. They spoke of his suffering as well as his glory. And the apostles, like Peter, having witnessed the fulfillment of these prophecies, went on to preach the good news of salvation that has come in Jesus Christ. And the angels longed to see that salvation fulfilled in him. So I want you to think about that moment, because this is really important. We know in full what the prophets, holy men of God, knew in part. We experience in full what the angels long to understand. And with that being said, if you ask me, we should be the ones who are bursting forth in praise, right? Just like the angels did. And they said, glory to God in the highest. I believe that's what the angels seeing is because the good news of great joy was all God's idea. This was his plan of redemption. This was his rescue mission for the world. He deserves the highest praise because he's doing what no one else could have done. So they begin with heavenly praise. And then they announce this. They said, on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. Now, earlier, we learned that the good news was of great joy for all the people. But here we see that that peace that is promised rests only on those with whom he is pleased. So how do we reconcile these two things? I believe what it's telling us is that Jesus came for everyone, okay? Let that be clear. He came for everyone, but not everyone will trust in Jesus. Salvation is not a blessing that we automatically inherit. Salvation is a gift of grace, that we receive by faith. Because peace is only possible because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. There's a really important passage that I want us to look at together. It was actually referenced in the video. So turn to Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, verse 19. I want us to read this together. So Colossians chapter one. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Verse 19 says, For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, Yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So when we hear what it means to, to, for God to have peace 
for us to have peace with God, I don't want us to be confused because it's not this arbitrary choice where God is looking out of heaven and he's saying, I like you, but I don't like you, and you seem to be okay, but you clearly have work to do. That, that's not at all what's going on here, okay? And not even that, there's nothing that we can do to earn God's favor, to, to earn his, his acceptance. You see, God is not pleased because of anything we do. God is pleased because of what Christ has done. Paul says God was pleased for all the fullness of his divine nature to dwell within the humanity of Jesus, fully God and fully man. And God was pleased to reconcile everything in Jesus, taking what was broken and beyond repair, and, and bringing shalom, bringing wholeness. God was pleased because of the sacrifice Jesus made on the cross. And peace was only possible because of his blood. Apart from the cross, we are, are separated from a holy and righteous God. The Bible tells us that, that there's hostility because of sin, not peace. You see, God was pleased, and don't miss this. When it says that, that God is pleased, what it means is that God is satisfied. When it says that God is pleased, what it means is that God is satisfied. Not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done on the cross. God is pleased when Jesus presents us holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Because everything Jesus accomplished has been credited to us. That's why he's pleased. That's why there's peace among men with whom he is pleased. Our, our guilt is covered by his grace. Our hostility has been reconciled by his love. We have peace with God through the blood of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He is satisfied in the sufficiency of the sacrifice that brings salvation to the world in Jesus Christ. So, so I do pray that, that during the Advent season that you will experience, I mean truly experience that gift of peace through a life-giving intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that I think that's possible and, and really even necessary is to have a right understanding about how God sees you. Because if you are in Christ, now hear this, if you are in Christ, you are one with whom he is well pleased. And don't add a but to that. But if you'd known what all I'd done. Well, he does. Well, but I know I'm going to fail again. And you are. But in order for that peace that God promises, you must understand that he is not pleased with you because of what you have done. He is pleased because of what Christ has done. Because of the cross. God sees you holy and blameless 
and beyond reproach. He is pleased because he is satisfied with the finished work of the cross. So before we close, I want us to go back actually to a verse that we looked at in Daniel. And I want to encourage you this week to go back and look at this verse. And and let me urge you to sit with it for a while. Just think about what it says. Because although this verse was spoken directly from God to Daniel, I want you to know that this represents his heart for you and I as well. So I want you to take it personally, right? It's in Daniel chapter 10, the first part of verse 19, and it says this, O man, greatly loved, fear not, peace be with you, be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened. So so here's my prayer, that you would sit with that. And you would believe that as, that as he speaks to you, that you too would be strengthened. And, and, and I would even encourage you to make this personal. It says, oh man greatly loved. I want you to put your name there. Oh Todd, oh David, oh Don. Greatly loved. Fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as you hear those words truly spoken from the heart of God to the one that he so deeply loves, I want you to take them to heart. Sit with it a while, okay? Let me pray and then Liz and Matt can come forward. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you are our peace, that you took that what was broken, what, what was hostile, because of sin, and you restored it to wholeness through the work of Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you that that you are pleased, not because of anything that we have done, but because of what Christ has done. And so that when you look at us, because of the, the blood that was sacrificed for our sins, you see us holy and blameless and beyond reproach. You are satisfied because of the finished work of the cross. So, Lord, I do pray for everyone in this room that they would be reminded of that this week. And I I would pray that they would look at this Daniel passage and that they would take it to heart and they would believe that these are God's words spoken from his heart to theirs. We pray this in your name. So, first of all blessing to all those moms like my own who raised three boys. I mean, extra crowns in heaven, right? Secondly, I want to leave you with another picture. You remember the scene where Jesus was baptized. And do you remember the voice from heaven and what it was said? This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Now, If you're in Christ, you know and understand in your heart of hearts that that's what he says of you. This is my beloved son, my beloved daughter, with whom I'm well pleased. Not because of anything you've done, but because of what Christ did for you. He is satisfied. You are holy blameless, beyond reproach. Please take that to heart. Amen? Have a great day.